This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. We'll begin in Proverbs 29, and then we'll go to 1 Kings 15. Proverbs 29, is, as we approach uh, here, you know, the Memorial Day weekend, again, this is in observance of all the men and women that have lost lives for our freedom, so don't forget that. That's the reason we celebrate that. And again, I just want to welcome all of you here. I'm glad you're here again. You know, some of the, the songs we sing, they just they, they jump in your heart when you begin to worship God like that. And so, um, just the name of Jesus, still the name above every name. And, and I encourage you to begin to speak the name of Jesus out of your mouth. You know, there in Colossians 3, it says, everything you do in word or deed, do in the name of Jesus. So again, begin to speak the name of Jesus. Uh, Friday night, just do some events. My wife laid hands on me in the name of Jesus. I'm telling you, it was powerful. And so I, I welcome you guys to begin to implement that in your life on a daily basis. Just speak the name of Jesus, okay? All right. We begin in Proverbs 29, verse number 2. When the righteous or the uncompromising in authority, the people rejoice. Now, he uses the name righteous. Well, according to 2 Corinthians 5.21, the only way we become righteous is we are the righteousness of God in Christ. So I believe he's talking about godly people here. So when the righteous are in authority, the people have great joy. Now, just for a minute here, I want you to think about in your own life, you're the authority somewhere, whether it's your home, could be in the area you work. And so again, are you leading your home in a, in a righteous manner or with righteous integrity? He goes on to say in verse 2, But when a wicked man rules, the people groan, the people wail, the people weep. And so again, you begin to see there's, there's two types. It's either going to be righteous or it's going to be unrighteous. And every one of us in here fall into this category. Now, I'm going to have you go to the book of 1 Kings 15. And as you're turning there, what has taken place in this, this study here is you'll find in the Bible that God looked at the kings in one of two ways. They either did what was right or they did what was evil. But what you begin to find in these passages, as the kings lived, the people would live. And so literally, a better way of stating that would be the kings would influence or they would set the tone. Well, there's always somebody influence or setting the tone in, in our lives. Whether that's you, a, a better way of saying that may be, you're either going to be influenced or you're going to be the influencer. And so we'll see some passages here in the, in the uh, Kings and the Chronicles today. 1 Kings chapter 15, begin with me in verse 25. Now Nadab was the son of Jeroboam, and he became king over Israel in the second year of Asa, king of Judah. And he reigned over Israel for two years. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Now, regardless about how you feel about yourself or what type of job you're doing in your life, 
It's insignificant except in God's eyes, okay? God's the one who declares if it's either right or evil. And so right here, it says, this king did evil in the sight of the Lord. And he walked in the way of his father. And you've probably heard this before. Oftentimes, as the father goes, the children go. Amen or oh me. And in his sin, which was in his personal life, by which he made Israel sin. And so what you begin to see here is because of this king lived ungodly, his influence caused the people underneath him to walk in sin. That can be played out also in your home. I'm telling you right now. Again, the the leadership of the home, it declares which way we're going to go. Where's that biblical at? Well, that's Joshua 24, 15. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. So again, he's setting some standards here. Now, jump with me the same passage down to verse number 32. 1 Kings 15, 32. And there was war between Asa and Basha, king of Israel, all their days. What you begin to see if you'll study these kings is when they lived ungodly, there was always turmoil. There was always war. And so to me, it was saying, because we chose to live in an ungodly manner, this is what we're going to walk in. Now we pick up another king in verse 33. And in the third year of Asa, the king of Judah, Basha, the son of Ahijah, became king over all Israel in Tazar, and he reigned 24 years. He did evil in the sight of the Lord, and he walked in the way of Jeroboam in his sins by which he made Israel sin. So now we see the first uh, definition or the first characteristics of these kings. That as they lived ungodly, the people lived ungodly. And what you find out is disobedience is contagious. Doesn't matter who it is. Now go with me to 2 Kings chapter number 12. And as you're turning to 2 Kings 12... Remember the statement in the eyes of the Lord, in the sight of the Lord. Again, God's verdict is the the one that determines the course of our lives. Doesn't matter who you are. And anytime we stop measuring our actions by the Word of God, your life's going to fall into turmoil. The measuring stick in our lives is the Word of God. In other words, how well do I obey the Word of God or how well do I disobey the Word of God? And and I believe this within our society right now, a lot of the issues we're running into is because we have quit measuring our actions by the Word of God. Again, you see all these, these shootings in our high schools. I believe a lot of that is directly resulted when we booted God out of our schools. You remove the Ten Suggestions, the Ten Commandments. And what you begin to have, instead of truth, you live by a thing called tolerance. And so again, we're going to get back to the truth and stay with it. I believe it's important, okay? Second Kings 12, verse 1. In the seventh year of Jehu... Joash became king, and he reigned 40 years in Jerusalem. 
His mother's name was Zebiah of Beersheba. Now, if you're getting ready to have kids, don't name these kids after these guys, okay? It's pretty tough to pronounce their name, all right? Interesting here in, in, in verse 1, his mother's name was Zebiah. Now, oftentimes when we read the Bible, it's very easy to skip over names, and you think, well, so what? His mother's name was Zebiah. Well, if we were to go back to 1 Kings 15, if you were to look at those first two kings we talked about, neither one of their mothers were even mentioned. The reason neither of their mothers were mentioned is because they were ungodly influences. But in this passage right here, when it mentions his mother, it specifically mentions his mother because his mother was a godly woman and influenced him in a godly way. Now, when I think about that, I, I begin to, to think of accounts in the Bible about how godly women influenced their children. Just think about Hannah. Praying Samuels come from praying Hannah's. I think about the woman Ruth who married Boaz. Not dumbass, Boaz. Okay? Boaz. And they had a son, and he became very godly. And so in saying all that right there, let me ask you a question right now. How many of you in here have been influenced by a godly mother? I, I need to raise both my hands and both my feet, okay? Because I, I literally had a mother that, that, because of her prayers, it changed the direction of my life just incredibly. So again, bless all you mothers. And you know what? If you didn't come from a godly mother that prayed... We pray that blessing over you today, that you become a godly influencer. And I believe that still happens. Okay, we'll keep reading. Verse 2. Joaz did what was right in the sight of the Lord. All the days, he did what was right. He chose to obey God. And again, it said he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. So again, this guy, he had a choice to make. Am I, am I going to go on the route to please God or am I going to go on the route to displease God? And it's the same for every one of us. And so it said, he did what was right in the sight of the Lord all the days in which Jehoiada the priest instructed him. Now this tells me right here, this priest that Joash was instructed by must have been a godly priest. Because he stayed on the track of serving God. As long as this guy instructed him, that's the same for every one of us in here. Every one of us in this room need to be instructed. The question is today, who do you allow to instruct you? Is it godly influences? Or, or you more say, thus says Facebook. See again, something happens when we allow godly instruction in our life. Now, we see right here, in his personal life, he did what was right. But watch verse 3. But, or, or however, the high places were not taken away. The people still sacrificed and burned incense on the high places. Now, I'm going to turn to that passage here in just a, in a second to explain what all these high places are. But literally... These people that were under his leadership, they were idol worshipers. It, it was said about these guys, not only did they worship idols, they were into sodomy. 
Here's a good one that they were involved with. Prostitution within the temple. They were into astrology. They were into sacrificing their children. So these were some messed up people. So now we have our, our second view of a king. Remember the first one. He just was flat out uh, ungodly. He did evil in the sight of the Lord. But now we have a king who did what was right in the sight of the Lord in his personal life. But as far as confronting the people underneath him, he wouldn't do it. And when we don't confront with the truth, we don't do anybody any good. Now, to explain a little bit further about what these high places are talking about, go with me to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 12. Deuteronomy chapter 12. And the Bible will become so clear on this. Verse number 1. All right. These are the statutes, the decrees, the judgments, the laws which you shall be careful to observe in the land which the Lord God of your father has given you to possess only on Sunday mornings. Now what it said? It says, all the days that you live on the earth, better stated, as long as you're alive... I'm to live by the Word of God. Day by day by day by day. Verse 2. You shall utterly destroy all the places where the nations which you shall dispossess. And that word dispossess means to deprive or get rid of where they serve their gods on the high mountains and on the hills under every green tree. And you shall destroy. One translation says you will obliterate their altars You'll break their sacred pillars. You'll burn their wooden images with fire. You shall cut down the carvings of their gods and destroy their name from that place. Now, literally stated here, he's talking about you're going to have to get rid of all the sin that's in your life. Verse 4. You shall not worship the Lord your God with such things. Now, when we think about this in, in our lives right now, we would view most of this as removing idols, we'd say, that's irrelevant. That's primitive. I, I don't worship a stick. I don't worship a statue. But in the book of Exodus, chapter 20, the Ten Commandments, verse 3, it says, Thou shalt have no other God before me. So when we describe a God... It's anything that's trying to replace God in my life. Anything or any person. And every one of us in this room, there's a clash for your heart. What's going to be God? Now let me give you some illustrations of some of the idols that are in our life. It could be possessions, money, pleasures, people, relationships. Places, things. And you say, well, I don't have any problems with those. Well, have you ever put football before God? I have. I've had the Lord ask me before to pray on certain times during the day when I'm watching a game. You know what I tell the Lord? I say, Lord, I'll do it after the game. And the Lord would begin to deal with my heart again. And I said, Lord, I'll do it after the game. 
Maybe this verse will help you. I desire obedience more than sacrifice. And that's what it began to say. I said to Father God, uh-uh, Father God, I see more and more in our society, people are more addicted to Facebook than they are to God. Ow, that hurt, Pastor. So again, here's the question. What do you live to serve? A better question of that is, what do you live to sacrifice for? So when I look at this, yeah, we're very much involved in this. Anytime we put anything or any person, even above the kingdom of God, it's like we voted God out of our house, and we can call them whatever we want. We can name them whatever they want. We want, they're still idols. And so anytime I try to remove God, this is what begins to take place. So you begin to see this second king, he wouldn't deal with those things. Now we go to the third king, look in the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 14. 2 Chronicles chapter 14, just go back to your right, you'll go, you'll go through Samuel the kings and you'll come into 2 Chronicles. And this is the good one. This is the good one. Now, as I, I study on these lines, what's going to happen to every one of us in this room, we're going to fall in one of these three categories, I don't care who you are. You're going to do evil in the sight of the Lord. You're going to do right in the sight of the Lord, but you won't confront. How does that even apply to me in my own home? Well, you're the king of your home. And so are you allowing your children to live in an ungodly manner without confronting it? Because if you are, you're doing them no good. And so again, we begin to see how God, he sets the bar for every one of us in here. And I'm not saying we confront in an ugly way. We are to tell them the truth in love. But I still can't back away from the truth. So we begin, 2 Chronicles 14. Now let the Word of God instruct us here, all right? Verse 1. So Abijah rested with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David. Then Aziz's son reigned in his place. In his days, the land was quiet for ten years. Now if you're not careful, you just kind of blow verse 1 off and act like, well, the land was quiet for ten years. But there was a reason it was quiet. It was peaceful. And you'll begin to see biblically that our lives many times will be in turmoil. And the reason there's turmoil is because of our sin that's within our lives. Now, 10 years of peace? Some of you moms in here would say, I would take 10 minutes of peace. 10 hours of peace. Just let me get away from those little blessings. How many could handle 10 days of peace? Oh my gosh. But 10 years, there was peace. Now the Bible will begin to explain this. Verse 2. Asa did what was good and right in the eyes or the sight of the Lord his God. Now again, right now, it's talking about his personal life. He chose to live for God in his personal life. The only one in my personal life that I'm responsible for is me. Darn Shelly, I wish she'd start behaving. See, it's easy to get over that, but again, Aza did what was right, and that's where I got to get. Now watch what begins to take place. Verse 3. For he removed the altars of the foreign gods in the high places. 
He broke down the sacred pillars. And he cut down the wooden images. When you begin to see the wording that's used here, he got rid of it. And the reason he got rid of it, because he knew as long as any of it was around at all, it was still a temptation. It's kind of like some of us in the cookie jar. As long as we know there's cookies in there, we can get up in the middle of the night and get one and no one would know. It's the same way with sin. If there's areas in your life that need to be cut down, man, i got to do that. i got to obey. Verse 4. He commanded Judah to seek the Lord God of their fathers. That's an interesting statement. He commanded them. Now, it says there that he commanded them to seek. Actually, that, that is a famous passage of Scripture and I'm just going to read it to you. It's 2 Chronicles 7, 14. Listen to what this says. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and I'll heal their land. So a couple things that he says in there. To humble ourselves is to repent. But did you get what he said? Not only repent, he said Turn from your wicked ways. And he said, I'll forgive you of your sin. So this begins to tell us some things that part of the reason things were out of control or in a turmoil is when we live by sin. He goes on to say, the last part of verse 4, and to observe the law and the commandment. He also removed the high places and the incense altars from all the cities of Judah and the kingdom of was quiet under him. Think about this. When this king lived in a godly way and he began to purge the land of all the sin, what did it say took place? There was quiet in the land. There was peace in the land. So could part of the reason that my life sometimes is in turmoil or seems like I'm going in this ditch or this ditch, could it be because... I haven't done what God's asked me to do. Verse number 6. And he built fortified cities in Judah, for the land had rest, and he had no war in those days, or those years, because the Lord had given him rest. Now again, you start going back and you look at those other kings, when they were ungodly, there's war after war after war after war. But something shifted when this leader lived godly and he began to confront and challenge the people to live godly. Verse 7. Therefore he said to Judah, let us build these cities and make walls around them and towers and gates and bars while the land is yet before us. Because. Now watch the because factor. Because we have sought the Lord our God. We have sought Him, and He has given us rest on every side. So they built and they prospered. So guess what? When a leader is non-confrontational in the areas of sin, we do people no good. But you begin to see this right here when a leader steps out and in his own life says, I'll set the tone. I'll set the standard Things begin to come into order. So once again, if I allow people to continue to live in sin, 
truthfully what we're doing is we're giving them a counterfeit salvation. We say this, you can have a relationship with God even though you live in habitual sin. I can't do that. So again, when we look at all this here, i got to listen to the Word of God. And i got to say, okay, what are the areas of my life that there need to be purging? And sometimes the purging isn't necessarily sin. Sometimes it's just stuff that steals your time. The cares of this world. How many of you ever said this? I'm too busy to read my Bible. I'm too busy to pray. Well, why? Well, my schedule. Well, who set your schedule? So again, we look at these things. And I believe that's what the Lord's saying. There needs to become a purging. There needs to become a, a, a cleansing with each one of us. And things begin to happen. I'm going to tell you, your life will come into an area of peace and rest, I believe. Now, go with me to the book of Isaiah, chapter 66. The last book, or the last chapter of Isaiah, chapter 66. And as you're turning there, I didn't finish the story about King Asa. This guy who started out so great, he didn't finish great. This was a guy that the Lord blessed so much. But he got to a place in his life where he quit listening to the Lord. He quit relying on the Lord and he quit obeying the Lord. And all hell broke loose in his life. And when you study Asa's life, this is what it's almost like. That God had blessed Asa. Asa had gotten everything that he wanted. And then you know what he said to God? He said, hostile lasagna, God. I'm out of here. I got everything. I See ya. See ya. I don't need you anymore. But you think back to the instruction of the Scriptures. We're to serve Him all the days of our life. Day after day after day. But yet this king didn't do that. Now, I didn't read this, but in 2 Chronicles 16, verse 9, it says this, The eyes of the Lord go to and fro across the earth, looking to show Himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts loyal to Him. So now we get another picture of God. Remember, God sees whether we do evil or good, but also God is on a, on a, on a lookout. He's got His microscope out. He's got His binoculars out. And you know what it said He's looking for? He's looking after a certain type of heart. A loyal heart, a fully committed heart, a heart that's totally his. And Asa quit doing that. And so again, God is not into fence straddlers. I'm a saint on Sunday, but I'm a sinner on Monday. God is a God who looks for loyalty. Let me ask you something about loyalty. Are there people involved in your life that you knew if life got tough, they would die for me? If life got tough, they would do anything in the world for me. Well, when you have friends like that, and it may only be one or two or three, but you treasure those friends. You know they're all in. That's what God's looking for. He's looking for that person that's all in. Now, turn with me here to Isaiah 66, verse 1. 
Just a little warning here, okay? You may want to make sure your spiritual seatbelt's on because this is going to get real interesting right here. I'm just telling you. Isaiah 66, verse 1. Thus says the Lord, Heaven is my home, earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you will build me? And where is the place of my rest? For all those things my hand has made. And all those things exist because of my hand, says the Lord. But on this one will I look. So he's saying this one is what I'm looking for. So what's God on a lookout for? On him who is poor. Better stated, on the humble. God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. So part of the robe of humility is rooted in the way I repent. I tell you right now, in prayer in your life, ask God to grace you with a humble heart. Grace me, Lord. I don't want to be arrogant in any way. Grace me with the robe of humility. So number one, God is looking for a humble heart. That's a magnet, I believe. Number two, and of a contrite spirit or a broken spirit. Someone that's broken before God. A, a broken spirit is a tender-hearted person that says, Lord, I don't want to let you down. I don't want to disappoint you. And look at what he says at the end. And who trembles at my word, who reverently responds to my word. You want to get God's attention? Then be a person of humility. Be broken and be a person that says, I put the word of God above everything else. Now the reason I'm telling you that is because you've got to get prepared for what's going to happen to us. Same chapter. Verse 15. For behold, the Lord will come with fire. The message says like a wildfire. And with his chariots like a whirlwind or a tornado to render his anger with fury. A furious outburst. And that's not a sight of God we see very often. For by fire and his sword, the Lord will judge all flesh. Let me help you out with that. Every one of us. Every one of us, the Lord is going to judge. So, think about it in this sense. God's not up there saying, any, meeny, miny, moo. Uh-uh. Every one of us are going to stand before God, and God will judge us. How will God judge us? Well, I'm not going to read it, but it's, it's the same chapter, Isaiah 66, verse 18. You will be judged according to your works and your actions, and it says, your thoughts. How's your thought life? Have you been dating the devil? Those two areas, every one of us in this room, we're going to be judged. No ifs, ands, and buts about it, okay? Keep reading. The Lord will judge all flesh. And the slain of the Lord shall be many. Not a few. Many. One translation says great. The message says it this way. The Lord will punish the death sentence on human race 
will be many, oh so many, are under God's sentence of death. Now, same chapter, verse 22. For as the new heaven, the new heavens and the new earth, which I will make shall remain before me, says the Lord always. So what's he talking about? He's talking about a place called eternity that will always remain, okay? Keep reading. So shall your descendants and your name remain. And it shall come to pass that from the new moon to another and from Sabbath to another. To help understand this, the message for that verse right there, it says from week to week, from month to month, throughout eternity, watch what's going to take place. All flesh shall come to worship or bow before me, says the Lord. So I want you to get a picture here of this, that, that from day to day, week to week, month to month, all flesh will go to worship before God and bow before God. If that's what's going to take place in heaven for eternity, we probably ought to be practicing right now, don't you think? And so day after day after day, the ones in heaven will go and worship. Verse 24. And those in heaven shall go forth and they will look, they will see, they will gaze upon the corpses, plural, of the men, of the dead bodies of men. And what will they look at the dead bodies of men for? For there who have transgressed against me or for those who rebelled against me. So here's the picture. The ones that will be eternally in heaven on their way to worship God. Every time they come to some place in heaven... I don't know if it's a balcony. I, I don't know what it is. But you will be eternally reminded of the ones who didn't make it. It said you would look. You would gaze upon them. You would see them. Now watch how we look and gaze upon them. For there, look at the word there, T-H-E-I, there, it's personal. Their worm will never die. And their fire will never be quenched. They shall be an abhorrence or detestable or despised to all the flesh. So literally stated right here. We'll be aware of people like that for eternity. And remember his words were many. Many. Now I don't know about you, this stuff moves me. It moves me incredible. Because what I find out with every one of us in this room You'll have the opportunity to tell people the truth, or you don't. There'll be ones that will even be misled. Now, I got one more verse for you in the New Testament. 
Colossians chapter 1. As you turn to Colossians 1, let me just say this. God is God, okay? And there are no other applicants for that position. And so I'm just telling you the truth today on what's going to take place. And again, sometimes in our own lives, we like to ride the fence. I can't. Sometimes we just like to be silent. Oftentimes silence is consent. When I was a senior in high school, there was a young man who was two years younger than me. And we were both pole vultures and I I became very close to him. And at that time in my life, I didn't know the Lord at all. And so... Two, two and a half years later, I go to Bible school. And Pastor Troy, who, who's now the pastor in Roswell, he ran with this young man. His name was Billy. So I'm in Bible school, and one, one morning, early, early, my phone rings, and I get it, and it's, it's Troy. And he's in tears. And I said, dude, what's up? And he said, Billy wrapped his car around a telephone pole tonight. And I said, how is he? And he said, he's dead. And he said, I was the last one with him. Me and him had been out drinking all night. And he could hardly talk. He said, I... I don't know that he made it spiritually. I don't know that he made it. And again, so many times we we have opportunities just to share, just to tell them the truth and love. Again, what they do with that is up to them. But I need courage. We need courage to say, I got to tell you, about eternity. Colossians 1 verse 28. Him we preach. Jesus. We preach Jesus. We tell people about Jesus. Aren't you glad someone told you about Jesus? Because I can tell you this. If the roles were reversed with me and Billy. If that would have happened to me when I was 18. I know I would spend eternity in hell. I know that. Because there was no evidence of God in my life whatsoever. Thank God someone told me the truth. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man. So if he says warning every man and teaching every man, if every man makes it to heaven, then why do we have to warn them? What are we warning them of? See, in our society right now, again, we we prefer tolerance over the truth. But again, the reality of what I just read in Isaiah 66, that's going to happen. And every one of us in this room, we're going to be judged according to our own lives, but we're also going to be judged on the ones underneath us that we had the opportunity to influence them, and we didn't. I... 
I warned you on this series that this one's going to be heavy doses of the truth, but you know what? I don't know about you. I like to know what's going to happen. I like to know how all this is going to play out, and this will tell me. That's why we got to stay with the Word, okay? we got to stay with the book. And again, guys, I'll tell you this standing before you. Right? I'm going to tell you the truth in love. And I'm not, I'm not going to back off. Because it's that significant. Again, we're not playing for a three-day weekend in Jamaica. We're talking about eternity. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.